Hello, my name is Kelly Gordon, and I'm the curator for The Black Box, and Nero Anessinga is here today to discuss this work, Springtime. I just want to say a little bit about it that I only hope he won't forget to elaborate on, which is this work took about two, over two years to create. He'll tell you why in a minute. And also, we're going to have an introduction by him and then a brief Q&A. And it's brief because the artist is a little bit under the weather and goes from here right to the airport. So <laughs> I will ask you to keep your questions concise and be patient with us if we have to cut out a little soon. But <laughs> that said, please welcome Yerwin Isinga. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll start by talking about some of the formal considerations. Um, I did it. I, I I I did this thing in black and white because what I set out to do is that the background and the foreground they should blend into each other, and in the end I would uh, I would be completely covered. And that I mean I didn't completely succeed in that, but in the uh, there there should be a complete just one f uh, flat area of bees and. Um, yeah, sort of, I mean, there's so many different layers of this work that I can, can talk about. But basically, um, what it was about, in that time I, had, I felt I had uh, 150,000 problems. And I, should, um, I was looking for a way to express this, so every bee is like one problem. And this makes it a work about suffering, you know, like the man of sorrows of uh, the old German painter Memling, these medieval paintings, I like them a lot. And, um, well, when I did this work in, in, in Holland, I couldn't find any beekeepers who, who were willing to help me because they thought I was a lunatic. But then I found some beekeepers in, uh, in Ireland who wanted to help me, and the reason for wanting to help me was mainly because they wanted to prove that the native Irish black bees they have there can be made as docile as the Italian bees that we use in the rest of uh, Europe. Um, it didn't completely, we, we, we didn't completely succeed with that because um, in the end, I've, I, um, I was stung about 30 times. Let's just, you know, ask some questions and then, and, and then I can uh, talk a bit more. Is there anybody who wants to ask something? Could you talk about your preparation for the actual shoot? What you did visually, what you did physically? Oh, yeah. Um, physically, I got tested if I'm not, to, to see if I'm not, not allergic. Um, because, you know, there's people who are allergic and they can get, they can die from one bee sting. And, um, and I especially um, made a, a sort of a bee suit to see how it would work. And uh, I wanted to make the, the image really claustrophobic. That's why I used a very, um, a tele lens to make it a very flat image, which gives a more claustrophobic feel. And then the beekeepers, they were, they were working already half a year beforehand to, to find the right bees because the younger bees are supposed to not sting as easily as the older bees. So the younger bees, they, uh, they tend to the nest and they don't fly out. So what they did was they put boxes on top of the normal beehives and that's where the younger bees would go. 
and then they would like take 20 of these boxes and put them all together and have um, um, feed them feed them sugar so that they would be as docile as possible. Um, but in the end, I got, as I said, I got stung 30 times. The thing is, before, beforehand, I was really thinking, what should I do to prepare for this mentally? And I couldn't figure it out. You know, I'm not like a very spiritual person in that sense. I didn't do any meditation things or any, anything. So I called, uh, I called a guy who did a bee, um, a bee bearding record, world record attempt, and I asked him what he did to prepare. And what he said, he, he said, um, I just did it. And that was the best advice he could give me. And then when I went there, um, I, of course, I couldn't show anybody that, that I was really scared shitless in reality. Because if I would show my fear, my peop the people that were around me would, would get scared too. Um, so because I knew it was that dangerous, I... I sort of had to suppress my fear, and that worked. In, and in the end, I, when I got covered by bees completely, um, I, didn't even, I didn't even feel that I got stung. The only thing I could, um, the only thing I could uh, hear was my, my, the beating of my own heart and my own breathing. And even the sound of the bees sort of seemed very far away. And so it was, in the end, because it, I forced myself in that situation, I did get that kind of Zen uh, feeling. Yes, in fact, I had cotton balls in my ears and my nose. And um, the thing I was mostly afraid of was that one of the bees would enter my mouth. So I had one of those uh, washing machine bowls they're plastic, and then we burned with a hot nail, we burned holes in there so I could breathe. And the holes were just a little bit tinier than the bees, so this way they couldn't enter my mouth. We, this was a big relief, but we only found out, found this idea the day before I, uh, before I did it. So, yeah, then in the end, um, I, I didn't feel anything until, until they had completely covered my eyes. And, and the, I could, you know, when um, there was a sort of a curtain of bees in front of my eyes, and I was able to see, to look out through that curtain. But the thing that um, my, my, my eyelashes rubbed the bees, and that upset them. And that's when I, f I really felt the first sting that was in my, in my one eyelid, and <laughs> then one in the other eyelid. Weirdly, it, I was so concentrated that I could even handle that which normally I'm not. I mean, if there's a bee, you know, sitting on my Coca-Cola uh, can, I'll be running off. But, but uh, so, and then a couple of them stung my cheek. And I still wanted to continue because I still didn't think, you know, I, I went far enough. But thank God the beekeepers that were there told me, you know, it's probably wiser to stop. So... Um, we had we had we had a sign. I would tap on the floor three times if they would if if I wanted to stop, and um, then they would take my hands. And the way to get them off you is like doing this. And they, most of them then will drop on the floor, and the rest they would um, wipe off with a goose feather. 
And then there was a little shed close by, and we were running to the shed and closed the door, and the bees were all following me because they had that, uh, you know, I had that queen pheromone scent, which made them believe I was a queen bee, and they really, you know, wanted to be with me. So, but they were like um, coming after me, and I would hear them hitting the door, like, tuk, 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 tuk. and that was a bit scary, and then. But the poison of the bees started working actually with sort of after a couple of minutes and then I started to feel really nauseous and, and sick. So, um, but we had, you know, we had uh, the, the route to the hospital already prepared. So we were driving like crazy um, and I was like hanging out of the window and they would, they, later they told me they, they thought I wasn't going to make it but... Uh, <laughs> So, and then in the hospital, we told the doctor that I was attacked by wild bees because, you know, if we told them this is what we did, they would have probably refused to help me or something. How did you lure the bees away from you? How, how I... How did you remove the bees from the Well, they, they sort of cling to each other, not to... So, if I, if I when I um, jumped on the floor, most of them dropped off, and then they had a the beekeepers had a goose feather, they wiped off the rest of them with that feather. How long did the whole process take? The whole process was about uh, an hour and a half. But to, I, I first wanted to bring them up until this point, and that's, that took about one hour, and then we started filming. And uh, the film, uh, uh, one roll of uh, 35 millimeter footage is 10 minutes. So that rolled out of the camera, then they had to change the roll, and then that took another 10 minutes. But it, it was somehow um, not an unpleasant experience uh, in retrospect. And how, come, how did you come to the idea of using these? Well, I, my parents, um, when I was a kid, my parents had these for a little while. And then I saw a photograph of, I think, um, I think it was an Ukrainian monk who did, the first, who did this kind of thing the first time, but only with a beard. And uh, this was like 40 years ago, I saw that image, and it still stuck with me. So I thought, this is an Im the kind of thing that I want to do, you know, to, to, to make an image that will stay with you, even if you don't really know what, what it means. And then I thought... Uh, I don't just want to do something like a circus act or something, so I need to find something that will make it art. And that's when I came up with this idea to have the wall behind me covered with bees too, and to have my face covered in the end. And it's like uh, the, the meaning of the, the metaphorical meaning of that would be like if your face gets covered, you lose your identity. And if every, every bee is one problem, in the end, and then I will blend into the to the background, and it means that I will be defined by my problems and by my background. So that uh, think about that. Yes, I I did take sound just to be sure, but then I I um, I noticed in the editing that. As soon as it used sound, it would become a horror movie. And I didn't want it, I mean, I wanted to, you, you would stop looking. 
And if it would, would be silent, you would lose yourself in these kinds of movements of the bees and follow them and, and get lost visually. And I didn't want it to be a scary thing. I, I wanted it to be a, a pretty thing, basically. So, and I think it succeeded. I, you know, to me, this is like a medieval, mystical work and, uh, without setting out to do that in the first place, but it feels very uh, medieval. And because because every little every little because I'm so so um, strict in all those little details and you know having the right shot and everything that everything that that's an accident sort of gets meaning because of that. For instance, there's a moment where the really the, the clouds uh, move away from the sun and suddenly there's a this burst of light and for me that's sort of a divine light or a divine inspiration or, you know everything gets meaning because of uh, because of that well the original idea i mean um the original idea had something to do with this um, um, Marcel Brodhaus film, The Rain. I don't know if you know it. Um, because I did a screenwriter's education in L.A. And then I, 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 I thought, you know, what is it with writing? I mean, I, I, I find writing very exciting. And, you, you know, all kinds of ideas can cross your mind. But physically, you're not moving at all. And, but, but still, I find it more adventurous than climbing climbing the Mount Everest or something. So then I thought I, ha I have to find some sort of a metaphor for, you know, the, the words that originate in your brain and move through your hand and they become these kind of weird dots on a piece of paper. And somebody else can even understand these dots and get the same, same thoughts. And I think that's a miracle. That's very fascinating to me. So original, it was, originally it was meant as a sort of a metaphor for writing, you know, and, 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 and ideas, and ideas can also overwhelm you, and so that's why I had the table there, it was sort of a, sort of a writing table, and sometimes, you, you know, your words can uh, run away with you, and you can't control them anymore. Well, this, this I find very weird, that this spot here, they... They follow these paths, and for instance, why don't they go here, or why don't they go here for a long time? And they didn't move over my face straight away. They went through the back, and then they went up, up and then they started sinking down. It's, I mean, you don't know why bees do that, but um, so in that sense, it's also an experiment. Anyone else? Did you consider uh, giving it soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just thought, uh, I just said that I, I tried it. I mean, I, tr I, 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 um, I recorded all kinds of sound, like the close-by sounds that that I hear myself. You know, when the bee is close to your ear, you hear the sound like zzzz, and the faraway sound. So I had a lot of sound. But when I tried it, it didn't work because you stopped looking. I mean, it would be, 
it became a sort of a circus thing and and I wanted it to be an abstract image, not 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 a scary image. Was there a thought where it was going through your mind during this process? During these moments, you mean? Yes. Weirdly, um, very little thoughts. The only, I mean, I sort of, I, 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 I forced myself to realize continuously that I should not jump up. Um, I couldn't panic. That was the only thing that I was really thinking about. I can't panic. I can't move. And and I sort of lived very much in the here and now. I was uh, watching my body. I, w I was like I was hearing myself breathing. I heard my heart was moving a bit faster. And, and at a certain moment, in the beginning, I, was, I felt resistance. And after a while, I sort of gave in to the experience, experience and I, I started to think, you know, why would these bees sting me? Why would they harm me if I didn't, you know, I did nothing to harm them? And it was sort of a, almost like a, a laugh between me and the bees, you know. At least that's what I imagined, you know. If they would have, you know, if they would have killed me, I probably wouldn't think that way, but... Yeah, it's, and, and, and that's also what the experience that I had. It's, I don't know if you know this film from Bash on Ader, where the Dutch artist who drives his bicycle into a Dutch canal. And, you know, there, uh, the, the, the moment that matters is not the moment when he hits the water, but the moment when he lets go of the steering wheel. So it's about letting go. And so when I did this performance in the beginning, I, had a, I felt a lot of resistance, and then somewhere um, after, um, after maybe five minutes, I started to let go of this resistance, and, and I felt free and careless. So that, in that way, I sort of forced myself into a, sort of a Zen position, I think. And, I, and, and, and that's also, I hope, that, you know, my films, and this one, they don't have, like, a storyline or a beginning and an end, but they have an experience arc. And I think if you watch them, that's why you have to watch it the, the full 20 minutes, and I hope, and hopefully you'll go through the same experience with me that I had, at, that I had myself at that moment. And also, I, I, I always like to have that um, direct connection to the outside world. For instance, you know, I'm, I'm there looking at you directly and looking back at you. And it's also like saying, uh, you know, so I like, I like that sort of connection. There's also, I think, I think there's two sorts of films. There's films that, that make you forget yourself you know, they're like a warm shower and you can forget yourself for a couple of hours or something. And there's films that hold up a mirror and make you, make you feel uncomfortable for a while. And I think that those kinds of films are far, far more um, gratifying in the end because it tells you something about yourself. For instance, if somebody will walk away, will, will, will look at this for one moment and walk away immediately and 
think it's disgusting or something, it says something about him. Somebody else can really get into the experience and, and, and get something out of it. And I, I like it that you can experience this in, in, in different levels somehow. Am I still uh, making sense? So. Well, the work of art is the work of art is the movie, it is, or the, the movie is the film, because. And I think a, a good work of art always needs an experience, but it, it also it is also communication, and my personal experience is the most important to me. But in order to communicate with you. I need the film, and um, for instance, this that me blending into the background. I couldn't do that without film, and I couldn't do it without black and white. So I'm not like, you know, and only when I can, can communicate my experience, it is art. So and so that's why I do make the final final thing. But I don't like, you know, I mean, if I, if it would be just about my own experience, who who would? You know, who would care? What are you working on now? Well, I'm not sure. I have a couple of ideas, but uh, I, um, I can't really talk about them because if I would tell you, I wouldn't need to make them anymore. Can you define death again? Uh, no, I, well, <laughs> I have two kids now. You know, I have to be a bit more careful. No. I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of, each time, uh, I don't have a regular, you know, some artists, they have a way of working, you know, and then, but I, I make a work and then I drop into a black hole for a very long time and I also need that. And, and then out of nothing, a new idea comes and it probably has nothing to do with my old work. All, all my films look different, but then in retrospect, they're all about the same thing because somehow subconsciously so, sort of my my who I am oozes into there or something but I can't I can't say you know this is the next uh, step and then because I thought if you have to look for one hour at the bees moving up, I've lost you already, you know? It will be boring to look at. And for me, the most important thing was the head getting covered. So I, I, I thought this is a nice image to start with. The head is floating there, sort of bodiless. And, and you know, I don't think you would be looking at this for one hour. I thought this was enough, basically. Well, Film. 
an escape plan? For if, if, if something would go wrong, you mean? Well, the thing was that I would tap on the floor. If I would be really uncomfortable, I would, I would tap on the floor and I would wipe all the bees off of me. But it was also, you know, one of the things is that I got money from the Dutch government to do this. <laughs> you know, quite a lot, enough money to pay a hotel and to train t- uh, plane tickets for my crew and everything. So at the moment when I was sitting down, I knew that I really had to do it. Because if I wouldn't do it, I would have to pay back the money. And that, <laughs> and that was kind of weird, you know? It's like, it's a sort of, you know, I, at that moment I felt like, hey, you know, the Dutch government just paid, paid for my suicide attempt or something. And... Um, but anyway, in the end, it all worked well. The funny thing was that when I came out of the hospital afterwards, there was, uh, I was in the hospital for four hours, and uh, in the waiting room of the doctor there were, of the hospital, there were a couple of uh, these kind of British hooligans. They just came out of a bar fight or something. And I looked so up that they really looked at me with respect. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it, it is strange to, I'm, most of the time I just, I start with the abstract image and then uh, I, I do all the preparation, preparations without really realizing that at the moment, when the moment is there, I really have to do it. So for me, it was first of all about the image. And then at that, that day, I was so really sick with fear almost and then now it is there and it's almost like looking at somebody else it's already you know you take distance from this experience I'm heavier here yeah. no, I, I, I stopped smoking for a while <laughs> <laughs> committees with art found foundations and stuff they're always like references so <laughs> and I didn't really know at that moment I told them it's about the writing the writing you know uh, words getting formed in your head and moving through your arm and to your hand and then so, and and it would be sort of a Bruce Norman kind of thing like from from head to hand and I had some uh, references in there and you know, when I, when I ask money for a project, I mostly, you know, talk some bullshit and they give it on the bullshit. And then I, then I start thinking about what I really want to do. To be honest. To be honest, because those, you know, committees and people, I mean, they cannot, I mean, when I got money for this, they, they told me, well, you know, we don't really like the idea. And we don't really think you're a good artist anymore, but we'll give you some anyway, you know? But this is your last chance. So, and then, you know, at least I had the money in my pocket and then I could, 
you know, started thinking about what I really wanted to do. And then the idea came that, you know, I would cover myself completely and then the background would be... Because the idea also grows while you are preparing it. Because sometimes you don't know if this is possible or, you know, or you make choices based on the possibilities. And you can't just, you know, write something down and then, and then like... Uh, do what you write, wrote down. I know you made a knitted version to sort of get a photographic sense of how the piece would look, but for this proposal, did you have to get any visual diagrams or proposals? No, no, I just, I just, I just wrote, a, not even a description, I just wrote a, two pages of, of philosophical bullshit, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't describe it, because then it would be like, if I could write down exactly what I wanted to do, why would I still do it, you know? So I'll, I'll give them a lot of art references and all that kind of stuff. That's what these people want to hear, because people who, are sitting, who sit in these, these com committees are very insecure. I mean, they're extremely scared to give money to, to some idea that... that they don't understand. So in order to make them think they understand it, you'll have to talk about, you know, um, a, a name on every page, like Bruce Norman, uh, Abramovich, you know, Bashan Ada. So then they'll think, okay, now I'm getting it, you know, but they're not getting it. I mean, in the end, maybe I'm not even getting it. I'm, I'm, I, it's an experiment until the last, and it works or it doesn't work. Well, I still, I do think it has a reference because uh, I think, but the, the a sculpture, I like these kind of monumental sculptures and the power of a sculpture. And, uh, you know, it's just one shot. Um, what I also, what I also like, I don't, I, I like sort of the, 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 that the camera is in a fixed posi position gives it also an aggression of, of, of uh, an, um, it's, it's sort of passive aggression. So you're looking at something like for such a long time that you, it's, the camera becomes sort of the unblinking eye. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm making any sense now, but... Uh, it's because before before I started to, to do it, I mean, I went with this table and a chair into the park, and I had a friend walk around me with a video camera, and I wanted to see what would work best, and we would try to edit it, and then in the end, we found out that this is the this is the best camera position, and then it became, you know, that we shouldn't edit, because I also think if you edit, you lose people. Especially with a with a subject like this, people will want to look away. So if you edit and you give people a chance to look away, you won't get them back. And um, so now people are sort of forced to stay there, and they can't look away anymore. And that's why they'll, you know, um, get into the image. Oh, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. Basically. 
I think it is a sublime image because and and you know the sublime is like uh, uh, Edmund Burke wrote about it it's um, when things are too scary or too too scary to look at um, but then you find a form to deal with that scary stuff and then um, then it becomes a um, um, uh, it gets a shape in which you can handle this kind of scary stuff and it becomes um, it can become pretty even so that's um, uh, I got a flu I, I really have I'm stumbling over my words but um, it's also a romantic image because I th and I think you know the, there's two types of there's two types of romanticism there's the the, the French Parisian romanticism in art, but there's also the northern romanticism of Caspar David Friedrich, for instance, the monk uh, looking out over the over the sea, and uh, the one the the one um, lonely person observing the greatness of nature, and and the nature is also the the human nature at the same time. Um, so and, and romanticism always has, has to do with death and decay and for me this is also um, this is a very important part where it looks almost as if these bees are crawling out of my chest and I'm sort of rotting away and this kind of macabre quality of it I, I, I also really like that so now I've talked enough Unless any of you have any more questions.